You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Light Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us, Yvonne Aveen. And she is joining us today from Oregon. And she is talking to us about different types of bidding strategies. She's actually the author of How to Buy a House, Vital Real Estate Strategies for the First Time Home Buyer. And that was actually released in 2021. So she's had over 20 years of you know, both residential real estate experience, some multifamily experience. But we're going to talk mostly about um, how the market has evolved. Obviously, we know we're recording this towards the end of 2021 and the residential market is on fire. Um, multifamily is also on fire and they kind of lockstep with each other. So uh, the topic that we're going to discuss on different types of bidding strategies, I think would apply towards uh, both asset classes. So really excited to have her on the show today and to share her wealth of knowledge with us. So thanks, Yvonne, for coming on. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Great. So can you kind of talk about how the market has somewhat changed on maybe both the seller's side and, and buy side from the residential standpoint? And, you know, how can, you know, whether you're a seller or a buyer, how can you get an edge in this really hyper competitive market um, pretty much across the United States? Uh, how has things changed? Uh, what kind of like technology are you implementing? Let's, let's well, talk. yeah, we're seeing a lot of changes. Um, it's mostly a seller's market. Uh, the interest rates are incredibly low. <clears throat> the um, inventory is incredibly low. Uh, a balanced market where we're seeing just slight appreciation is six months of inventory. We're now seeing sub two uh, in almost all areas. Um, the one area that's a little bit soft right now are um, commercial spaces, leasing commercial spaces, because a lot of people are really getting out of the, the urban areas and going into, you know, the more rural areas and a lot of downtown office space isn't being used anymore because, you know, people are working from home. So um, that's one area that might be open for opportunity. Um, otherwise, uh, it's really important to have your game on when you're making a, a bid on a property, whether residential um, or, you know, multifamily residential, um, because the sellers are kind of in the catbird seat right now. So, and they know it. Yeah. Right. So with that being said, how are buyers becoming competitive and and not necessarily is coming down to price at the end of the day now, what are some, some strategies that you've been seeing more recently than in the past? Well, a big concern for sellers, at least in residential, is where are they going to move? If they sell their house, where are they going to move to? So the way buyers are kind of easing sellers fear is um, offering longer rent backs and sometimes even um, rent backs with no rent. So basically a long grace period of maybe one to two months, giving the sellers time to identify that next property. So that's one thing that they're doing. Another thing is um, some brokers are advising their clients to waive the inspection contingency. And although that's never advised, Um, It does work in this way. If you're not in a caveat enter state where um, the seller actually has to disclose what they know is wrong with the property, 
then you can use that disclosure period of say five days to do an inspection. You've removed the inspection contingency this, so the seller's not concerned about uh, you pulling out because something came up, but you can always pull out because of the disclosure. So if the inspection turns up something that you cannot live with and you're unable to negotiate with the seller, then you can pull out and you know terminate and get your earnest money back. So that's uh, one thing they're doing. Another thing is they're they're waiving the appraisal gap. So because a lot of prices are ratcheting up beyond the list price, sellers are concerned that the property won't appraise if the buyer is getting financing. So the buyer will come in and waive like twenty thousand dollars of an appraisal gap, for instance, or maybe just waive the appraisal entirely. So let's say you put an offer on a property and you, you offered 500,000 and it's really only going to appraise at 450,000. If you've put in an appraisal gap, that says I'm going to cover $50,000 of any appraisal gap. That means the buyer is going to have to pony up a little bit more money at um, purchase time, but it gives the seller peace of mind that the appraisal isn't going to be what tanks the deal. So. Yeah. It's interesting because interest rates are so low. Are you seeing a lot of cash buyers or less cash buyers just because money's out there? We're seeing cash buyers. um, People are actually taking money out of their retirement savings um, or getting um, gift loans from family members just so they can be competitive, at least in the residential market. We're seeing a lot of cash buyers. Yeah. You're seeing more cash buyers than before? I would say more. I would say more cash buyers. Yes, definitely. Interesting. Because the other people are afraid to buy. They 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 they've been scared out of the market. They know they can't compete, and so a cash buyer is always going to trump. As you know, all else being equal, cash is king, right? Sure. And and so you're. What market do you specialize in? In the Portland area, um, mostly resale, um, some new construction, a little bit of smaller multifamily, um, and but mostly resale, single family residential. And are you seeing days on the market come down, go yeah. up? What, how is well, that? It's, it's softening a tiny bit, but there are certain areas that are always going to be super popular. I live in a suburb of Portland um, and Portland, the Portland area has definitely seen some changes. I'm sure everybody's aware of what's been going on in the news. It's not, Port, living in Portland isn't as desirable as it used to be, but there's still a lot of people flocking to Portland. The suburbs, um, which are a bit uh, less volatile, I would say, um, are very desirable. And uh, the neighborhood I live in, if a home is on the market four days, there's something wrong with it. So it's just like things get scooped up and uh, almost always above um, the list price. There will be a bidding war. Yeah. And has that trend started from 2020 or what, what was happening in 2019 and 2018? 2019, it's it's definitely different. Um, so in 2019, let's see, we are I think 2019 we had about four or five months of inventory, and we're now less than two. Um, and so, and the interest rates have also kept. I mean, everyone thought the interest rates were going to go up. There's still you can still get a three percent interest rate. You can get sub two for a, for a 15 year loan. So I know investors tend to have to pay a bit more um, because, you know, they're not living in the property, but, you know, if, if you know somebody who's, 
do you know what house hacking is? Are you familiar with that term? Yeah. If they're house hacking and they're going to live in the property, they can, and it's their primary residence, they can take advantage of those rates very easily. So the other thing that I'm seeing in terms of uh, negotiating strategies are sellers asking in certain markets for their for all the buyers to waive the inspection contingency. And then they give the buyers like a five to 10 day period to go ahead and do their inspection. So everything's out in the open. The inspectors love it because they will sometimes get to inspect the same house multiple times because there are a lot of buyers coming in. And then the buyer will come in waiving the inspection contingency and uh, the sellers know, you know, that's not going to be the hurdle. And obviously investors have to know what they're buying. Um, so it, in, in some cases, if it's a foreclosure property, you're not going to be able to do an inspection anyway, right? They're not going to let you do that. Um, but the more information they can find out about the property, the better. If they're planning on, you know, tearing it down or doing a whole lot of remodeling, they may not, they may not care about the inspection. Um, but right, we see that in multifamily yeah. too, a lot of doing your due diligence up front and, and putting down a, what we call a non-refundable deposit day one, yes. because you've already done your inspection. Yeah. So it sounds like that's common, becoming more common in the single in family. Residential. Yeah. Um, we call it the earnest money going hard, the non-refundable yep. deposit. So at, at a certain point, having the earnest money go hard, that makes the seller feel like, well, I've taken this off the market. If something were to fall through at the, in, at the last minute before closing, then at least I get my, you know, earnest money out of it. So. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the situation where you know sellers are getting top dollar for their properties and they live in their asset or their home and they don't want to pay top dollar to go somewhere else at this standpoint. So what you're seeing a lot of sellers take the option of asking the buyer, can I can you give me like two or three months to find something? And now what if that doesn't happen or like what kind of recourse do the sellers have if they don't end up finding something else or change their mind? Like what, <laughs> like how does that Seller, Yeah, Yeah, sellers are actually making the sale contingent on the seller identifying as a curing uh, replacement property. So they don't want to be homeless. <laughs> they don't want to be living out of a pod. So they protect themselves from the get-go. It's usually right in the multiple listing, um, you know, remarks for the agent. Um, sale contingent upon seller finding suitable replacement property. And, you know, right. But what are you seeing most of your, we're talking about single family right now, but what mm -hmm. are you seeing most of the sellers doing? Are that you see them renting like a year or they, they want to rent a little bit and then maybe they'll be out of the market again in 2022, maybe late 2022. Like, what are you seeing? They're not just buying another house, are they? Or what are they doing? Some are. Um, I actually have clients right now that they bought the house on their street and they're waiting to sell their house until the spring. They're doing some fixing up of their house. They actually downsize. And I do see that a lot where people are downsizing. Uh, they can pull the equity out of their home to make the purchase on the other home if that's what they end up needing to do. But um, some are renting, but I would say more downsizing or moving to more affordable areas uh, because they can, a lot of them can telecommute now, whereas before that wasn't an option. So, right. When you talk about downsizing too, in some areas, it's just as expensive to downsize as the house where they, when they originally bought their house. 
So um, true. Yeah, they well, need to. Yeah, it's funny. If sellers will think, well, my house is appreciated this month much, and I would like to get a house as good as this house, but two hundred thousand dollars less. That is not going to happen. So it's kind of a. It, it, even though sellers are in the catbird seat right now, they do have some concerns. Where am I going to live if I sell my house right now? Where am I going to possibly? live. And usually they just have to look in a lower, like a smaller, a smaller property um, and a, you know, possibly in a different area, maybe not so populous, which isn't a problem for some people. Um, you know, it's, it, they, they figure it out or they just hold on. Like there aren't a lot of homes on the market right now. And that's one of the reasons sellers don't know where they're going to go. So. Right. Right. So where do you see this all going, Yvonne? Do you think interest rates are going to stay low? How, how long? Are they going to stay low? You think inventory is going to pick up, slow down? Obviously, we're heading into the winter now. So at least I'm on the East Coast, you know, but um, it's what do you think? Well, there is I used to be able to predict real estate cycles. I cannot predict in this pandemic at all. This is like I say 20 years and this is the strangest market I've ever seen. It used to be July and August were dead because everybody was on holiday and nobody wanted to buy or sell during that time. And then September, everything would pick up again. Um, I'm not seeing the same cycles anymore. It's just basically low inventory. Um, and a lot of buyers are afraid are, are not getting into the market because they know what it's like. They're waiting to see if things turn around. Now, if I had a crystal ball, I would say it can't go on like this. It's not sustainable. I know the infrastructure deal originally had um, affordable housing in the package and that got axed. Um, it, it may still come back around if the house gets their way, but the current $1 trillion infrastructure does not account for that. It's bridges and roads and um, broadband and that's it. So I would say um, it's bound to soften eventually, but I, I just don't know when. If I was a buyer and I, I was renting right now, I would try to secure something, just something, um, you know, maybe a condo or something, just get in the market. It's not going to get a lot better. It's not, we're not going to see the, the cliff dive that we saw in 2007, 2008. You know, everybody's buying, 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 and then just because we're not in a bubble right now, we're just in a seller's market. That's what we're in. Right, exactly. And it's good, especially during periods of some, you know, inflation to have assets, um, you know, income producing assets, but, you know, home, um, home purchases too tend to appreciate too. I mean, we a little bit different with the multifamily versus uh, the single family, but similar concept too. Um, how can my audience find you, Yvonne, learn more about you? You mentioned sure. you have a, um, a book as well. How can they, what do you talk about in the book? Um, how can they find your book? Well, even though the book is called, um, it's called how to, how to buy, how to buy a house, vital real estate strategy for the first time homebuyer, even though it says first time homebuyer in there, there are a lot of strategies for investors and second and third and seventh time homebuyers. Um, a big part of it has to do with financing options, which a lot of people do not know about. There's some fantastic financing, fin financing options that if the average consumer knew about, um, I, I think there would be a lot fewer renters. There's one program um, that you can get into. And as long as you're in a certain profession, like an EMT or a nurse or um, K through 12 teacher or a police officer, you can get in at in a, maybe a an at-risk neighborhood, you can purchase the home um, through the FHA Good Neighbor Program, 
and you can purchase it at 50% off of the market value. And I think plus another $100. You just have to stay in it three years for that. And there's some um, great 0% um, loans out there, not just BA, but um, there's USDA, which is for rural um, homes, but 90% of the country qualifies as rural under that program. So there's just a lot of options and there's lots of grants. Um, if you haven't owned a home in three years, you're a first time home buyer. If you've only owned a home with your, your spouse and now you're divorced, you're a first time home buyer. So a lot of those programs people are, are eligible for and they don't know. So. Interesting. And you lay all those options out in your book? Yes, I do. And, and I can be found on Amazon. Um, it's uh, uh, amazon.com backslash author. And then my name, Yvonne Aileen. Um, so, and I have also have a publishing house called 800muses.com that people could buy me on. So, Excellent. Well, we'll have a link to the 800 Muses as well as the book in our social media descriptions and on iTunes. And if the audience likes what they heard and or saw today, please give us a rating and review that helps Yvonne and myself get our message out to a greater audience. And we'd love to have you back on Yvonne next year when the market, see where the market goes. Yeah, we'll see how my crystal ball did. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. See if it's true. Uh, Well, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day.